You know, you may not think that your prayer goes very far, but I want you to listen to what we received uh, by mail this week. Dear brothers and sisters, I want to thank you for sending your notes, messages, and scriptures that I received in mid-August. These thoughts and prayers have meant so much to me. They are part of my morning prayer time. Your efforts to encourage me play a part in my belief that I am healed by the grace of Jehovah Rapha. As I write this letter to you, I'm receiving my first immunotherapy of several months. I look forward to the day I can share a testimony with you when the treatment is complete. That is Jeff Howard. That is the brother-in-law of Lena and Barb. And uh, I just want you to know that your prayers mean something. Amen? They mean something. And I want to tell you what, what a, a, an encouraging note means something to somebody. And I just want you to keep on praying. Don't give up. Keep on praying. Keep on encouraging people. You know, I want to encourage our own student ministry leader, Kasia, and her family as they try to get over this. And they're, they're starting to get on the back nine and, and starting to get better, but uh, we miss them. Pray for them. I had the privilege this morning to teach the youth. And I came out of that class with this assumption. I didn't teach them anything. They taught me a whole bunch of stuff. So I thank God for our young people, and uh, every day that I get older, I get a little bit further removed from that, and I thank God for our young people. Amen? I want you to take your Bible this morning, and I want you to join me in 1 Peter. We're in a series to our guests today through this book entitled, Stand. And this morning's message, as we get to chapter 2, deals with a principle and a thought of being incompatible. Now, when I say incompatible, don't nudge your husband or spouse if, if she's here. But isn't it interesting how God brings couples together? And sometimes we can be as different as daylight and dark and end up together. There are some things, I believe, that are absolutely incompatible. They do not go together. And I want you to hang on this morning because I might make some of you mad. So look at your neighbor and say, I will not get mad. Say it. Okay? But there are some things that just don't go together. For instance, pickles on pizza does not go there. We have some folks in church, they ordered a pizza and said, Brother Greg, you have to taste this. And I said, what is it, pepperoni? No, it's, it's pickles on pizza. doesn't go there incompatible okay this one's a little closer to home say it once again I will not get mad socks and sandals okay socks and sandals by the way that one came from Renee hey here's the third one and this one's probably the closest of all of them say I will let me hear you say it we will not get mad at you brother Greg Okay, you ready? Ketchup on a hot dog. Look at me. Hot dogs are meant for mustard. That's the way it should be. If you do that, there's a little weirdness factor built into that. You know what it really comes down to? Taste and preference. But in second, in First Peter chapter two, the second chapter of First Peter. 
this is not about preference and it's not about taste. It's about the Word of God. And these are some things that are incompatible with a holy life. Now, don't let that scare you. Don't let that shake you up when we say holy life. We, we just sang, uh, part of that song said, righteousness is what I long for. Let me tell you something. My righteousness is in Jesus Christ. That's already been paid for. But in chapter 2, Peter makes no mistake. This is incompatible with living a holy life for God. And remember, a holy life is best expressed through obedience. Obedience. Chapter 2, verse 1. Therefore, and he's referring back to chapter 1, that stuff we talked about, living a holy life and pleasing God, standing on the enduring word of God. Therefore, lay aside all malice, all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and all evil speaking. If you want to please the Lord, if you want to live a holy life, there are some things that you do not need to be carrying around. And he lists them. As a matter of fact, I want you to write them down. And I want you to lay them all at the foot of the cross this morning. For instance, he says malice. What's malice? Malice is wickedness. Let's look at me. Malice is causing trouble. Looking to inflict pain. Looking to inflict harm. He goes on to say deceit. Deceit is false pretense. Deceit is lying. Let me, let me tell you something this morning, church, and everybody who's watching. The devil is a liar. He is a deceiver. And if he cannot rob you and me of our salvation, if you're here and you're a Christian, he's already lost that battle, amen? What he will do is try to deceive you into thinking that you can somehow live a holy life on your own. You can pull away from the Word of God and still grow. You can, you can just maybe get away from your church family or quit watching. You can just get away from worshiping together, period. The devil will make you think you can still be okay. He's a deceiver. Peter said, lay aside deception. Hypocrisy. Boy, we hear that word, right? Uh, don't be a hypocrite. What's that mean? It means to act under a fake part, to play a role. And if someone were to come up to you and say, you hypocrite, don't slug them. And don't say thank you. That's not a compliment. What they're saying most likely is that you act one way on Sunday, but during the week you act totally different. Or you act real spiritual, Brother Greg, when you're behind the pulpit, but I've seen you at the Little League game. Are you with me? And then he says envy. We know that to be jealousy and evil speaking. Evil speaking, defaming somebody, backbiting backbiting and I just have a sneaking suspicion if the church of Jesus Christ would do more encouraging of each other than backbiting of each other some things would change years ago we went on uh, to South Carolina where my mom's parents lived 
in a little place called Woodruff, South Carolina. And my papa was a livestock farmer, but every now and then he had two or three quarter horses. I think he kind of just dealt in, in horses, make a dollar. And we were there one summer, and he came back to the house, and he was like, oh, hurting bad. And Granny said, what's wrong? And he pulled his T-shirt up, and a horse had bitten him in the back. Can you imagine them big old horse teeth getting you and just peeled the skin right off of the back? Let me tell you something. We don't need to come to church as the brothers and sisters in Christ, the church of Jesus Christ, and bite each other in the back with big old horse teeth. We need to encourage each other. Amen? Say, I'm glad you're here. Man, I thank God for our young couples that come and, and uh, Bailey's seen you all get your, bring the baby. Every couple in here that's had a baby in church knows how hard that is. Everybody knows how hard that is, that you've got to make conscious effort, and it's a battle. And, and then all of a sudden, them babies become teenagers and, and, or, or, or young girls. My job growing up in our house uh, was I, was I fixed Stacy's hair on Sunday morning. Imagine that picture from time to time. But, but she had short hair. Some of you remember how she used to wear it, this little bob. And my job was to take the curling iron and just flip it under. That was my job. And Renee quit letting me do that when I burned Stacy's forehead. I had one job and I messed it up because that little baby started to grow. And then they became teenagers. Then they don't want to sit by you. And then they want to point out when you look nerdy and, and not cool. And, uh, and I'm just going to embrace it at this point in life. Amen? I'm just going to embrace that I'm not the coolest guy in the room. And, uh, and, and somehow, by the grace of God, we raise a family. If you want to be a Christian that senses a fresh move of God in your life, you have to ask God for a holy heart. And you have to take some things and set them on the shelf. As a matter of fact, set them at the foot of the cross because Jesus paid for it all, and he can help you. He can help you. Now, let me ask you the question. Is what you see what you get during the week? I, I fail that test sometimes. I don't want to. I don't mean to. But some things maybe that flash in my heart. It's a constant battle. And the devil would have you live in that lane. We were on our way north yesterday on 27. I've never seen so many cornfields in my life. And we got up there, and lo and behold, listen at this, lo and behold, we got behind one of the slowest moving cars I've ever been behind in my life. And I started saying things like this to Renee. Your spiritual preacher did. Are you kidding me? Of all the, all the roads in America, I'm behind this guy. You know why they were driving slow? It got worse. Because State Route 27 had garage sales yesterday. Not 127. 27. So this car was driving slow to find a deal. We drove by them finally after miles of just barely moving. Renee rolled the window down and said, How about speeding up next time? 
She didn't sound that, but that made me feel good to say it. Hey, God has a way of slowing us down. And sometimes it's by getting our attention that that doesn't need to be there. Now, we've already learned from Peter that we're called to be a living hope in Christ. That it's Jesus who gives life, and we shouldn't be walking around as Christians as if the weight of the world's on our shoulders. Let me tell you, the weight of the world hung on Calvary, on Jesus' shoulders. And he died so that we could have hope, but he says, listen, if you want to live for me, you can have joy, but you have to make sure things are in the right order. So he says, lay aside malice, deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and all evil speaking. Verse 2. As newborn babes, desire the pure milk of the word, that you may grow thereby, if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is gracious. He begins to refer to the believer as a newborn babe. I want you to think back to when you got saved. I want you to think back to when you gave your life to Christ. I want you to think back to the emotions maybe you had. The joy, the enthusiasm, uh, the eagerness to tell somebody else what Jesus did in your heart. And Peter says, as a newborn babe, desire the right thing. And he says, pure milk of the word. Now my understanding is that most babies, ours did, let us know when they're hungry. They'll let you know. And they won't stop until they're fed. I believe it's our job, my job, as we preach the Word of God, to remind you as the body of Christ that we need spiritual food. That we need the bread of life. We need to understand that the milk of the Word of God is for our benefit. And just as a baby desires milk, that milk represents nourishment, it represents health and growth. You know, we continue to pray for Wendy Mann's little grandbaby. Uh, some things are going to change here in the, in, the, in the next little while, month, where the baby may be able to come home, but there's going to be some special things that have to take place. That baby was over one pound when it was born, that little girl, Penny and now weighs over seven pounds. Dylan and Bridget don't know what normal looks like yet as they just fight through this and try to take care of their little baby. Number two, there are no shortcuts in spiritual growth. No shortcuts. You know, uh, I'd like to stand out on our road sometimes on Camden College Corner and tell every car that passes by, hey, this is the shortcut to Miami University. A lot of kids have figured that out. Now I would like to stand out there and say to all the semi-trucks who are detoured off of 725 down our road, hey, enjoy it while you can. This ain't lasting forever. Detours. Have you ever been on a detour? Have you ever been somewhere where you really didn't know where you were going because you thought you would take a shortcut? When it comes to spiritual growth, there are no shortcuts. 
Let me tell you something. Clicking on a Bible app every now and then will not lead you to spiritual growth. You need to decide in your life what a discipline is going to look like. What do you mean a discipline? The Word of God. How important is it? If I bury it in the back seat of my car and never look at it until next Sunday morning, listen, the Word of God is way more than that, folks. Murph, I remember when I went to the Holy Land, I made the comment, I was afraid to take my Bible, preaching Bible, because I made, what if I lost it on that trip? And Murph, you said, Brother Greg, that Bible deserves to go to the Holy Land. Folks, I'm telling you, we have Bibles everywhere, but it might be the most unread book in your house. Put your Bible in a place that's easy to get to. Put it somewhere where you don't have to dig across anything. Put it on a table, on a shelf, where it's close to you, and you can see it, and it makes you want to pick it up and open it up when you sit down. You'll say, Brother Greg, I don't have time to read the Bible. Charles Stanley says, yes, you do. The book of Philippians is less than one front page of a newspaper, and most of us, unless you're my mom and dad, don't read a hard copy newspaper anymore. Everything's digital. I'm telling you there are no shortcuts to spiritual growth. Spiritual growth is painful. The Bible says in Matthew chapter 18, Jesus said, Assuredly, I say to you, unless you are converted and become as little children, you will by no means enter the kingdom of heaven. Matthew 19, 14, Jesus says, Let the little children come to me. Do not forbid them, for such is the kingdom of heaven. 1 Corinthians 3, verse 2, I fed you with milk and not with solid food, Paul said, for now you were not able to receive it, even now you're still not able. There's something about this growth period that takes place, and it's the Word of God, the milk of the Word of God, that gives us strength. And isn't it interesting that the Bible reminds us of coming to Christ like a child? I think some people think, that you have to clean up and then you'll get saved. I think some folks think I've got to quit doing something and, and then I'll think about it or then I'll get saved. And, and that's the lie of the devil because what you're already thinking is it's something you're doing. It's something that you're making happen. And our Bible says that we're saved by grace through faith in Jesus Christ. It's all of his gift verse 4 coming to him as to a living stone rejected indeed by men but chosen by God and precious you also as living stones are being built up a spiritual house a holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ a living stone built on the cornerstone when we come to faith in Christ with the faith of a child God calls us to himself and he calls us to represent himself and he wants us to build on the cornerstone Christ the whole building is set on the cornerstone everything rises and falls on the cornerstone and we're called to be those living stones for Jesus. Some rejected by men, 
but as a living stone choosing Christ, choosing God, and the Bible says as precious to you. The word precious here means value, honor. And we're to build a spiritual house, this, this life, on the cornerstone of Jesus Christ. Verse 6, Therefore, it is also contained in the Scripture, Behold, I lay in Zion a chief cornerstone, elect, precious. And I want you to circle this next phrase. And he who believes on him will by no means be put to shame. Circle that. Therefore, to you who believe, he is precious. But to those who are disobedient, the stone which the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone and a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. They stumble being disobedient to the word to which they also were appointed. Appointed. They stumble being disobedient to the word. Now, if we can get into poor physical health, my question is, can we fall into poor spiritual health? I think the answer is yes. I think the answer is we can. And the truth is, a lot of times, good health is determined by what you intake. Anybody want to say amen? Now, my granny and papal in Tennessee raised my dad and family on something called lard. You're with me, aren't you? Oh, man. You know what I never heard my papal say in his entire life? I never once heard him say cholesterol. And you say, well, that's because folks in that generation, they worked it off during the day and worked hard. And I, don't, I do not argue that. I do not argue with that. But we live in a day where if we're in poor spiritual health, oftentimes we go to the doctor and the doctor will tell us to quit intaking things, certain things. You've got to change your diet. You might be here today and say, Brother Greg, if that's spiritually based, what do you, what do you mean? I, st I believe the same principle is true. What goes in spiritually will affect your spiritual health. What I'm looking at with my eyes, what I'm listening with my ears, what, what kind of conversations am I having uh, away from the things of God, it will all affect your spiritual health. And when it comes to a, a diet, that means something has to change. It means that habits have to change. It means that your practices have to change. And as Peter writes to these believers, he's saying, listen, I've already talked to you about a holy life and that you're called to be a, a living stone. Your, your Christian life is not meant to be just... Uh, doom and gloom but there's life and vitality in your spirit then you're going to have to be careful of what is coming in see we like to joke about what's coming out 
What do you mean like the joke? Well, I was talking to a golfer today and his wife and, and family and, and we were referring to another golfer and I said, as far as I know, that we're the only two that don't cuss. Meaning, I was throwing our friend under the bus as if somehow he did, even though he doesn't. Hopefully, you'll find that funny sometime this afternoon, okay? Habits, a lot of times we talk about what comes out. I mean, if I put my hand here and, I, and you say, hold that nail, Brother Greg, and you drive that hammer and somehow you hit my finger... I don't think the first thing out of my mouth, I hope it would not be a bad word, but I don't think it would be, praise the Lord, I was here to hold this nail for you. It would be some kind of expression of pain. But I'm not talking about what comes out. I'm talking about what comes in. And as David Burton has told us more than once, we live in a sin-sick, Satan-serving society where we worship athletes Nobody loves sports in our church any more than I do. Or actors. Or Hollywood. Or we think you've got to be that to be this. Peter's saying, listen, I'm talking about a sincere heart with a desire to change that wants the right stuff to grow, and I'll take care of you. And, and you'll be a living stone, living your life on the chief cornerstone, the Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 6, therefore, it's also contained in Scripture, Behold, I lay in Zion a chief cornerstone, elect, precious, and he who believes on him will by no means be put to shame. Remember, circle that. Therefore, to you who believe, he is precious. But to those who are disobedient, the stone which the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone. They don't know who they're rejecting. They don't know what they're missing. And a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. You know, you've heard this said before, well, the cross is divisive. Let me tell you something. The cross is divisive. You've got to make a decision if you believe in the Savior who died on that cross or if it means nothing to you. And the Bible says a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. They stumble being disobedient to the word, verse 8, to which they also were Appointed, And then we get to verse 9. 1 Peter 2.9 might be the most familiar verse in, in, for sure in this chapter. But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people, that you might proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light who once were not a people but are now the people of God who had not obtained mercy but now have obtained mercy and I want you to jot down some descriptive words here that I believe can help us when we look at 1 Peter 2 9 first of all he calls us a generation a chosen generation and I believe instead of wringing our hands wondering what's going to happen to this world in which we live we ought to be thanking the Lord that he's allowing us to live in a day like this and that he has the answer for the problems of this world and we're called to be living stones for the chief cornerstone wherever we go in life 
And we're not going to apologize for the message of the gospel. We are a chosen generation. By the way, that used to be the name of our youth group here at church. Secondly, he says, a royal priesthood. A royal priesthood. He not only calls us in this generation, he gives us a position. A royal priesthood. Folks, listen, you don't have to go to a man. You don't have to go to a priest to get to God. We believe the Bible speaks right here of the priesthood of the believer. That you have access to a holy God because of the Lord Jesus Christ. Who's at the right hand of the Father, the Bible says, making intercession for us. So when I pray to God the Father, I'm praying through Jesus. And here's the good news. As a Christian, when you pray to God, I believe when he looks down and sees old Greg Jackson, listen, I believe he sees Jesus. Paid for. Covered. Covered. Don't you wake up in the morning and say, oh God, I pray I, I do more good today than I did yesterday. There's nothing wrong with doing good. But oh God, I pray that, that when I lay my head down at night, uh, tonight on my pillow, I pray that somehow the good outweighs the bad, 5149, and that I'm still acceptable to go to heaven if I die in my sleep. You know there are some people that believe that. And if you believe that, here's what you're saying, that you can get yourself to heaven. Jesus died, make it absolutely perfectly clear. The only reason you're in heaven is because I died for you. Won't be any pride marching around the throne of heaven, folks. Won't be any pride talking about how good you were on earth. We'll be in a holy, perfect place. Listen, and only by the grace of God will we be there. And your ticket has been paid for. Jesus died for you. And if you've never given your life to Christ, I would run to him today. I'd never live another day without knowing him as my Savior. You have a position. A royal priesthood. Oh, there's an association. A holy nation. His own special people. Set apart for the glory of God. Designated, listen, designated that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. That's the function God gives us. There's the purpose to proclaim the praises of him. And Peter's telling the reader, listen, don't you get caught up in your own goodness. Make sure you understand something. Your life is to glorify God wherever you are at, wherever you've been, and wherever God takes you. Tomorrow. That's the good news of the gospel. Remember, I told you to circle the bottom of verse 6. I want to jump back just a little bit. I want to read verses 11 and 12. Beloved, I beg you as sojourners and pilgrims, abstain from fleshly lust which war against the soul. Peter's reminding us that we're not here forever having your conduct honorable among the Gentiles. That when they speak against you as evildoers, they may be by your good works which they observe. Glorify God in the day of visitation. Now jump back to verse 6, the very bottom. Behold, I lay in Zion a chief cornerstone elect, precious, and he who believes on him will by no means be put to shame. Number 3. When you're overwhelmed by the past, trust his promises. 
or when you're overwhelmed by your past. Maybe you're here today and you say, Brother Greg, if you only knew what I've done in my life. Anybody here this morning be able to say with me, I'm grateful that you don't go ahead and post that stuff up on the big screen. Here's what the Bible says about our past. Whoever believes in him will not be put to shame. You know why? He became sin for us. He became sin for us. How painful was that? My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? So on Calvary's cross, Jesus paid for everything I've ever said, thought, or done. Past, present, tomorrow. That's the good news of the gospel. Now I know sometimes we can, we can live life and say, man, I've made a mess of things. Or, or we can say, if I could do it again, if I could go back and do it again, I'd change it. I wouldn't have made that decision. Or I wouldn't have entered that marriage. Or I, I wouldn't have taken that job. Or we wouldn't have moved. Or we wouldn't have done this. We, we can list a whole lot of things in life. And we wonder if we could go back and change, would we? But let me tell you something. One thing that will never change is the love of God for you and me so that he could pay for us not being overwhelmed for our past. I've made a big mistake as a papaw. Three of our grandsons play soccer. I told the boys... I, just, I would give them X amount of monetary reimbursement for a goal. Are you with me? In the first two games, Eli had four goals, causing me to go to the green machine for monetary reimbursement. Now, the little one, Jordy, got a goal so I had to you do it to one you have to do it to all right grandparents Kobe who might have the softest heart of them all has yet to get a goal and yesterday I put a little bit of monetary reimbursement in his hand and here's what he said Papa I'll give it back to you if I don't score don't that break your heart? You know, that, what do you think I said to him? Okay, you know my number, right? No, I, I didn't say that. You know, what, what do you think I said to him? Kobe, you don't have to give me this back if you score or not. Being my grandson isn't based on performance. It's based on who you are. Folks, listen, the Christian life isn't based on given and taken and given and taken you've got to understand who you are you're adopted into the royal family and just as we have been reminded of this week in a very vivid way we've seen two that love the Lord Jesus be called home also received word this week that uh, pastor friend Keith Young First Baptist Church Auburn I, I did revival there passed away. I received word that Wes Stiver, who pastored in Lewisburg, I know Dick and Kathy uh, know them, and 
received word that West passed away. Soldiers of the cross preaching the word of God. Folks, listen, you've got to recognize who you are in Jesus Christ. And I'll close with this. If you don't, then you'll live beneath your, beneath your privilege. Don't live beneath your privilege. The privilege is I can have peace in Christ. I can have purpose in Christ. And then at the end of that verse 6, he who believes on him will by no means be put to shame because my past has been paid for. So he says, I beg you as sojourners and pilgrims, verse 11, abstain from fleshly lust which war against the soul, having your conduct honorable among the Gentiles, that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may by your good works which they observe glorify God in the day of visitation. Living beneath your privilege is not recognizing what Jesus did and the finished work of Calvary. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 4, Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. How can we come boldly? In Christ. And in Christ alone. In Christ alone. I spoke to a, a fellow this week, and he said, That was always my hang-up before becoming a Christian. I thought I was a good person. I thought I was better than most. The Bible tells us that we're all sinners, we're all separated from God, we're all in the same boat. And the good news is Jesus came so that we could be saved. Let me tell you what's incompatible. Sin and heaven. There'll be no sin in heaven. There'll be no sin in heaven and there'll, no, there'll be no soul winners in heaven telling people about Jesus because everybody there will know the king. And if you're a Christian today, you're a king's kid. You're a king's kid. You're an heir of grace, an heir of salvation. And the good news is God will not let you go. He'll not let you go. I want you to stand. I want you to bow your heads in a spirit of prayer. And I want to ask you a question. every head bowed, every eye closed, what is it in your heart this morning that it just seems to be incompatible with who you are in Christ? I mean, that's, that's something you can identify. Why don't, why don't you just let the Lord have that today? Just, just, just call it out in your heart. God, here it is. Forgive me. Forgive me. And maybe you're here today and you've never given your heart to Christ. You say, Brother Greg, I don't even know what to do. Well, I want to encourage you to turn to Jesus this morning. Right where you stand or whoever's watching, just call out, Dear God, I need to be saved. Lord, would you forgive me of my sin and come into my heart? Lord, I can't change the past. I wish I could. But I give it to you. And I ask you to make me a new creature. I believe that you died on the cross for me. They buried you and you rose from the grave. 
So Lord, would you save me today? In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Let this hymn of invitation be the anthem of our walk with the Lord. I surrender all. If you prayed to receive Christ, praise the Lord. I want to invite you to come. I'll be standing here on the floor. I want to invite you to come and say, Brother Greg, today I've given my heart to Christ. We're going to rejoice together. You feel free to come and pray whatever God is doing in your heart. If you have another decision, you come on. But let's sing together and let's be obedient. bless you this morning for being here thank you for being faithful and uh, a couple things uh, our church family is expecting this but today uh, we are receiving what we're calling the Ray Roberts victory march that's a special designated offering that goes directly to help support our church planners and ministries across the state of Ohio our goal is three thousand one dollar brother Greg where did we come up with that I just made it up uh, sometimes we're, uh, we've given this gift and it's been well over $5,000. And sometimes it's less. And, and with what's going on, I just have no clue. So let's just shoot that through the moon and praise the Lord for it. And, uh, and we're just going to just give sacrificially. So in a moment we close, Debbie's going to play some good Ray Roberts music. And uh, you can come and you'll see baskets here on the stage. And then those that, that continue to give through tithe and offering, you'll see the boxes in the back, okay? And let me once again remind you that you can also give online, and you can also give to Ray Roberts online. When you get to our offerings, there's a drop-down box that has all of our special offerings listed, and uh, this is one of them, okay? So we'll be part of that. All hearts clear? Let's see, uh, Pam and Jerry, why don't you introduce your guests today? Okay. All right. Uh, Chattanooga still or Bowling Green? Bowling Green, Kentucky. Amen. Home of the Corvette. And you're sitting by a Corvette driver right there. And, uh, but uh, good to have you, Doug. Good to see you. Always good to see you. All hearts clear? Anybody have anything to say? To God be the glory, great things he's done. Amen. What do, you, what do you have right there playing? Okay. Can we sing that? I heard an old, old 